Welcome to Tech Takeaways, the podcast taking technology's biggest challenges and dicing them up into little bite-sized chunks just for you to enjoy. Uh, this week's episode, we are looking at, at building a cloud-native business. As always, I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald. Welcome to the show. And we have Paul Stringfellow co-hosting. And this week, we say welcome to Kirk Ryan as our special guest. Welcome. Thanks, Hi, Kirk. Hi. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kirk uh, has got experience with uh, building a cloud business from the ground up, and so we thought it would be be great to have you on the show. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks, and yeah, very happy to uh, share the uh, the more stories of uh, everything to do with cloud native and building it. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, could could you give the the listeners a bit of a, an intro to yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, for the last few years, I've uh, run my own uh, startup, which was naturally built entirely in the cloud. Okay. Um, so, you know, everything that, all the decisions that went behind that, how to build it, how as a naturally sort of more technology focused founder, how to deal with also balancing the business aspects um, of that as well. Okay. Um, and also just the realization of not necessarily the reality being what the PowerPoint told you. <laughs> Uh, and navigating that, yeah. What? No, I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's a really interesting topic. It's something we wanted to do for quite a while because, yeah. you know, I think we we talk to lots of organisations, and I know, I know you've kind of talked about your most recent experience, but obviously, you know, you've got quite a long experience in in the industry working with, you know, more traditional non-cloud native businesses. Um, you know, you've been through building your own cloud native business as well. Yeah, but but I think we see quite a lot, don't we? And we have a lot of conversations with people who are looking at adopting the cloud, who are looking at how they transform yeah. the way they operate today to take advantage of of what cloud brings. So so we thought it'd be useful to speak to somebody who who's done both worked the traditional world and has done this kind of you know building you know the the new cloud and, and try and sh- you know impart some of wisdom to, to the world about you know yeah things exactly that you yeah I mean the, the the way I look at this is is like this if if I was starting a business today I wouldn't be going out and buying servers I wouldn't be buying infrastructure that that's the way that it was done you know 10 15 years ago you know let's get some big investment in we're going to need to build these systems to be able to scale you know depending on what it is let's take an online shop for example you're hosting your own online shop you know you've got data center you've got rack space you've got heating you've got cooling got the physical hardware would i architect it like that now no i'd use the cloud and i'd take a paper month model or something like that so the reality i think with this is that businesses being formed today and certainly being formed over the last two years it's the obvious way in to building up an infrastructure to support the business yeah so where do you start well i mean to, to to that point there i think the reason like you'd answer that question in terms of why wouldn't you do that today is agility, right? So the very first thing you need when you're starting out is you need to go fast, you need to test things, you need to see if your theories, and a lot of them are theories at that point, actually stand up to the test. Yeah. Can the way you're thinking about this application or service or set of APIs that you're developing, um, can, can you iterate on those very quickly? Can you get things up and running? Can you bring people that can manage and develop the, those uh, those things quickly, right? Whereas, you know, to refer to the old way of doing things, you would have had to potentially go to a vendor or a partner, asked for a PO, gone through three quotes. And by the time, like four, six, eight weeks later, the kit's actually turned up, you've lost two weeks of productivity from the off. But you may not have the money 
to do it in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that's not to say, though, that having been in cloud native doesn't necessarily mean everything stays in the cloud. You know, a lot said about cloud repatriation and bringing data back and things, but that's natural because the second aspect of where cloud native really excels is there's a lot of unknown unknowns when you're starting out. <laughs> so there's some stuff you know you don't know, and yeah. there's some stuff you're yet just to find out about the journey. Okay. Yeah. And where the cloud is fantastic is being able to scale up, scale down, micro experiments very quickly and answer those questions as fast as possible versus the old thing may have been, I oh, will buy 10 servers from X vendor to find out you only needed one. Or the worst case, you buy one, you've waited a few weeks for it to turn up and you needed 10. <laughs> so, so, because uh, yeah. that all makes sense from kind of a startup perspective. But you know, if if you're an established business, so you've already got some infrastructure, you know, is 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 that advice any different? And and, and have you any thoughts on where's a good place to start if you're doing that? Yeah, I mean, um, is, is it different if you've got resource available and you know how to use it and it's fast? Like you haven't wrapped the process around it of having to do a cab change get it through approvals, all that sort of thing. Yeah, It's still probably more politically uh, and procedurally correct to go with, with the cloud because, you know, the risk of still saying, hey, you know, that line on a cab where it says, what could the potential impact be to the other shared services on this box? The answer is going to be, I don't know. And that's not really going to be acceptable. Whereas in the cloud, you've isolated it to its own environment. And the worst case is, well, it runs slowly or breaks in its own environment, right? And of course, you may have investments in some on-prem hyperscaler that's QoS and all the other things. But again, you start to feel, okay, we're getting quite process-driven here. We need to move fast. We need to um, do things there. I think what, what I've observed in the larger organizations is there is more of an emerging culture um, of these micro-experiments of projects being more mini-startups in themselves, giving them their own environment right, okay, um, yeah. areas, the way they're funded as well internally. You're starting to see a culture of, People are having to go up the chain and say, hey, listen, here's the project. And almost as if they were pitching for VC money in a way. So um, there's not too much difference in terms of those projects because you have to frame it, understand the business case and really understand back to the, probably the most critical thing is what is the business need or requirement I'm trying to, to address here? Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, for a lot of C-level execs, you know, when you look at what's going on, the technology is, is the toolkit but you still have to have a destination where you're heading to. So will this make us go faster? Will this make us sell more? Will it allow us to compete at a lower cost? Um, if it's neither of those three things, already it's like, right, okay, how is my CFO going to respond to this? And a lot more of the decisions these days are arriving at the CFO desk rather than the traditional CTO or just project manager. I think a lot more, especially the companies I've worked with over the last couple of years, given the change of, you know, 0% interest is gone. Um, yeah. The funding has, you know, s significant costs and interests on it now. The justification really has to be a very strong business uh, unit uh, economic sort of case now. So, yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, there's, I think there's lots of things kind of unpicking and what you've talked about, and we don't have time to unpick all of it. But, but a couple of things that really jumped out to me, I think one was that if you're an existing business looking to adopt kind of cloud-native technology, re-architect, transform, where you do business by using the cloud. You know, one of those things was absolutely have a culture that understands how the cloud works. So there's no point going to kind of your, you know, your, your change process board 
that only meets once every three weeks to say, can we make some cloud changes? Because what's the point? Yeah. The proof of yeah. concept is done by that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's done in three You've days. rolled it out. You're yeah, on yeah. version 15. Right. Um, yeah. but, but I think the other thing as well was, you know, and I think that's so important with so many IT projects is understand why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I think we, we, you know, we, we've all been there, haven't we, and, and kind of suffered from seeing projects rolled out because the technology seemed like a good idea and go, well, let's roll this tech out. Yeah, that, that's well, the it. The business never it? knows why. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, the, the uh, IT professionals like to play with things, you know, and understand them. And, you know, it, and it's a hobby to a, to a lot of us as well. You know, so kind of playing with that technology to you, you, for your own gains, essentially, you know, because you want to learn a technology or you're just curious to see how it works is very different from it needs to have a defined business outcome. Yeah. Um, I, and I think, you know, I mean, we've certainly seen systems like that, you know, where configurations have been built like that. The IT person's left and then a business has said, oh, hang on a minute. How does this go together? You know, because the knowledge hasn't been shared internally. And, and I think when, when we're talking about cloud, I, I think it's important to talk about the team that you've got as well. I, I think, you know, it's important to kind of look at with the capabilities of that team, would you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, once you pass that initial prototyping phase and potentially even starting to get your first sort of traction, yeah, you know, a lot of it turns into, right, we have to maintain this. We now have a roadmap and it's almost a different personality type as well. You'll have people that are great at creating things from nothing and yeah. get into version 1.0 alpha and it's good enough. It does 80% of what it's supposed to do and everything. But it's a personality shift of the person that then takes that and fills that final 20% of capability, knows how to maintain it, how to make sure that it's um, complying with regulatory uh, requirements, another skill set, um, puts then does put process around it because you start to mature as an organization where you can't just wildly change something and potentially break 10, 20, 100,000s of customers down the line. You do start to put those controls um, in place. So for me, like the, the cloud native piece and the technology piece is for me more the natural exciting part because you get to you yeah, know, yeah. see the Frankenstein's monster come to life in a way. Absolutely. But then somebody's got to feed it, keep it alive, you know, all of the rest so, of it. So here's a question relating to that. I'm keen to, get you to, keen to get your thoughts on this. How important is the platform in that decision? Uh, it's critical. I would say, um, you know, you have to look at the industry and where you are and who, what sort of skills pool you want to hire from. Yeah. Um, so for example, if you're looking at UK hires, you've probably got more AWS folks than others. You've got emerging, like a lot of Microsoft folks there as well. It depends sort of how, like, what you're trying to use as well. Um, you know, most engineers will quite happily look at GCP and say, wow, and you know, from an engineering perspective, phenomenal. Yeah from a development perspective, phenomenal. But if your organization is more, we do enterprise licensing, we need uh, to wrap everything up in as big a license possible, you'll probably end up with Microsoft because that's where they excel. And you can see platforms might be- Exactly that, yeah. And before you know it, you've got Office 365, you've got all the rest. So a lot of it may even be out of your hands. You don't get to necessarily pick. Um, I think the best um, company cultures that I've experienced myself will have all three. They'll not be in just one. Um, they... okay, so I was going to ask you about yeah, that because yeah, we, okay. we, we talk about multi-cloud a lot as a concept. So, so I'm interested that actually you see that as a reality as yeah. well. And, and because that's a reality, how does that drive some of your design decisions for when you build an application, for example? You know, does that, does that drive the way you build the application? Because 
why you've got multiple clouds. Do you act, do, do you build that with the idea of portability between them as well? Kind of, yeah, because data residency is part of it. But going higher than that, you have to look at the services that are offered. So, for example, if I take, let's give it some context. If I'm creating uh, an app that's got mapping and telemetry and it's effectively IoT, you're probably not going to take mapping directly from, you know, you're going to take it from market leader like Google. Um, if you're taking asynchronous database and caching and the fact that edge devices connect and disconnect all of the time, you need something that's robust with connectivity. And at the time when I was making that decision, AWS was a clear front runner when it came to database caching and keeping things up to date okay. um, and reducing data egress because ingress is really easy to understand and it's free, so you don't worry about it. But you at one point want to show value back to your users and that means taking data out of the cloud. Um, so you've got hidden costs that you only really start to experience at scale when you move past your, you know, we got up to 7.5 million users at the peak. And that's totally different to when you're just toying around and you're still in the free boundaries. You can't really see it yet or it's, you know, a few pennies. But then um, as soon as you start to scale up, you start to realize actually, okay, some of the design architectural decisions, how do we minimize data transfer? How do we make sure it's safe? And then going back to the multi-cloud pieces, you know, we talk about the big three when we speak about multi-cloud, and of course there's others. Um, but the reality is you, there's more and more of this you started to get as SaaS. So you're not even having the data, you're not owning the database in any of those cloud providers. And case in point would be the next generation modern sort of web frameworks. So let's take something like Next.js. If you were building a web service, SaaS service today, you now have this new concept of they'll own your database. Um, they'll run your, AW, your, your uh, a API service, and it's all in one code base. You're like, wow, so I don't need to worry about AWS IAM. I don't need to worry about uh, doing a Postgres database in this provider. I don't need a DBA, you know, all these other bits. You start saying, I can really innovate at pace, but then it's learning the, right, okay, now you're vendor locked in. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose with that, it's it, there's always this balance of, ease of use or ease of consumption and cost and yeah. security with it because you know you, you made a great example there you know you, you can architect it yourself you've got to you've got to be concerned about aws access security you've got to be concerned about whether your database is online that's someone's job to do or you can give that to someone else but you've obviously got to pay a lot higher for that aren't you yeah yeah okay, and just actually just to add to that just because i know we're kind of coming to the end of our time but I'm interested in that piece about cost, yeah, because we talk about, you know, we've done episodes around cloud, yeah, cloud cost optimization. <laughs> yeah. You know, how, how important, you know, so, so if people think, oh, we just talk about that because, you know, it's a thing. But, but how important as somebody developing in that environment, running a business actually in that case for you, how important is that kind of observability around cost and being able to, to kind of predict cost and predict cost trend? It's, it's, it's critical. So you're generally working on much tighter budgets as a sort of, you know, uh, pre-seed funded uh, startup these days. You know, you're not, you have to justify your expenditure a lot more, which means you track it. Um, and the benefits of doing that really are you prevent runaway. So there, there were instances where, you know, even 24 hours, you can destroy your entire budget if you get something wrong came very close to it once, um, you know, nice friendly call to uh, 
the cloud provider saying, please, we didn't realize what we were doing. Can you refund us that before we go bankrupt? Um, but really, it's like you shouldn't be catching these things um, sooner. And I think and they did that. They well. did. Yeah. They did. Okay. yeah. So they say, hey, listen, we work with startups all the time. We know um, there was nothing here. You've not, you know, it was a misconfigured thing that got into a loop basically right. and so so that then you know i think sometimes it's like when you're selling security and things like that sometimes you don't realize how much you need it until you've experienced the pain of that fire um and then you realize right this is now everything i'm going to do from this point forward in my career has this baked in um so you now know that you know the, the impact that this can have on your business and it, the next time that happens if it happens it's going to probably be a lot more severe yeah great um, so as as we're coming towards the end of the episode, we'd like to do a bit of a takeaway. Some key advice to someone that is looking to maybe build a cloud business. What what would be your key takeaway if you could summarize? So my key takeaway would be before you get too far down the rabbit hole of the tech, you know, it might be quite hard to do if you're going cloud native and you are more technology focused, is to really clearly define the business needs and requirements and what is the challenge that you're trying to solve once you've got those the technology decisions become a lot easier yeah and also you become less prone to feature creep and the next new shiny thing which become distraction because you have to get to value as fast as possible feels like treat a cloud native business like you treat a business like yes. a business yes yeah yeah, so, sounds like a good place to stop. That's that's really great on advice. That bombshell. On that bombshell, <laughs> that's the end of this week's episode. We hope you found it enjoyable. Uh, we're available everywhere you get your podcasts. So search for Tech Takeaways. We're in all of the all of the podcast stores, and you can subscribe on YouTube below. So just hit the button down there. Uh, there'll be a new episode next week.